Emmanuel, we worship you. Come, come let us adore him. We're going to kneel down before him. Good morning, true spirit. It is such an honor and a privilege to stand before you this morning. It's a little, it's a little light in here today, but that's okay. Jesus is here and we're excited. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being in the house. For those that are joining us electronically on Facebook, thank you for joining us electronically. I have my phone right here so that I can see your amens, your likes, your claps. So please feel free on the online, just feel free to like, love, tap, amen, all day. That's what I need from you. And for those in the audience, I need all of your amens. I need all of your hand clapping. I need all of your hand holding up. I need all of that today. Does that work? Amen. Amen. We do have two announcements. First announcement is um, Tuesday Bible study is postponed. And also our food pantry will be closed for two weeks. Um, and so let those folks know they'll be closed for two weeks. Um, and we'll have them check our Facebook as well for that. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you know the word, just sing it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, I love you. 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 Is there any thankful people? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. First, I want to give an honor to God for the word, for the opportunity to see another day, and for the opportunity to share the word with you all this morning. Uh, to the pastor, who in his absence, the first lady, thank you for being here. Um, thank you for the opportunity, Pastor. I know you're watching. Um, and there is a word from the Lord. I'm going to have you turn into your Bibles, John 9. We're going to start at the 36th, 39th verse and work our way down to the 41st verse. When you do have that, just signified by saying, Word. John 9:39-41. I'll be coming out of the book. If you don't have the book, I'd recommend getting it. Uh, there's a lot of things in here. There's a lot of things in here that will get your life together, get you to understand what's happening. Um, so if you don't have the book, go ahead and get the book. John 9:39-41, and it reads, Then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think that they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Lord, I just ask that you remove these words off these pages, make them real into our lives, Lord God, that you fill us up, Lord, with the word today, God, and that you let that word go out into the world, Lord God, so that somebody may run back to you, Lord God, and say, how can I be healed, and how can you remove my blindness? We love you, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I need you to, to help me preach this morning by helping me with my topic. The topic today from our word is how blind are you? Somebody just say, how blind are you? Now, I'm talking to myself. I hope you're talking to yourself. In thinking about our blindness. We started here in John, but I, I want to take you all the way back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then we'll get to John. Today, we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about blindness. The word said Jesus came to give sight to the blind. But then at the end of the scripture, it said, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, huh? But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. So you might be asking, well, why are you talking about how do we get through our blindness is if we're not blind, then we're guilty. See, what Jesus is saying here, if you're reading, he's saying that there's oftentimes when we feel that we can see 
that we're, we're, but we're still struggling through the blindness. What he's saying is that there are some people who think that they're woke. They think that they have sight. They think they have vision, but they're blind and they're running people away. And so today I'm coming to talk about first recognizing our blindness. That's why I asked, how blind are you? Because we first have to recognize our blindness. Then, once we've recognized that we are blind, how do we move beyond that blindness? How do we get healing? See, the, the scriptures of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're, they're all the same story. It's the story of Jesus, his birth, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection. See, but the authors of these books, they all had different relationships, different perspectives on the life of Jesus. Now, you might ask, well, why is that important? Well, that's important because we have several stories of blind men amongst these four chapters. And each story has unique characteristics unique things about them that are because of the author and their perspective in their context. So what I've been sent on assignment today to talk about is how do I get free from my blindness? Now, the novice Christian might think about the physical blindness, not being able to see not having vision physically. But if we go a little deeper into our spiritual beings, we'll find that Jesus is talking about mental, emotional, sometimes physical blindness. He's also talking about spiritual blindness. And so we get caught up a lot of times when we talk about blind people because we don't see that Jesus is using these blind people as a metaphor to the blindness in our lives. And if we were to be honest with ourselves, we all have a blind spot in our lives. And so I'd make the argument today that there's times when we don't feel like we're blind and we start to try to tell other folks how to live their life we try to direct and we try to lead and it becomes the blind leading the blind. And the issue with that is that we become so content in this blindness, we become content in this ideology, we become so content in this religious pedagogy that we do not seek healing because we don't think that we are blind. And what does the do? What is that consequence? That consequence then is we're like the Pharisees. Jesus standing right in front of us and we're questioning him. Jesus standing right in front of us and we can't see him. Jesus standing right in front of us and we are sending people away. So we have to recognize our blindness. And so we're going to jump into Matthew and, and, and talk a little bit about Matthew. Matthew, Matthew the apostle, he, he was a tax collector. 
But Jesus asked him to walk with him. And so we get to, to Matthew and we think about him being a tax collector. That means that he likes to have order and he likes to think about numbers. And so when we're in Matthew, we, we go to Matthew 9 and we see two blind men. And the thing with these two blind men is that the Lord had just left Jairus's daughter's house or Jairus's house after healing his daughter. And these blind men had saw the miracle and he, they saw Jesus. They saw him in their, their spiritual minds because they're blind. And they begin to follow Jesus. Now you might be saying, how they're blind. How do they follow Jesus? Point one is you don't need to have sight to follow Jesus. Oftentimes as new believers, we think that we need to be, there's this light awakening, this, this awakening of knowledge that happens when we decide to follow God. But sometimes we have to follow God in our blindness. And they went so far as to follow Jesus to the house that he was staying. Do I have any Christians in here that just want to follow Jesus anywhere that he goes because you need your healing today? They followed him to the place where he was staying. And so the first thing is follow Jesus. Now, Jesus is so gracious. Now, if somebody walk into my house that I don't know, seeking, I've already done a miracle. I've already done, I've already healed somebody who was not dead, she was sleeping. And I'm, I'm trying to go home to rest, but you, you've, you've followed me. Jesus asks, what can I do for you? Don't you just want ask, don't you just want Jesus to ask you what he can do for you? But see, the thing is you have to follow him because he won't ask until you follow. And so the next thing that I want you to recognize is that you have to believe in your healing. Jesus said, what can I do for you? They said, we want to be healed uh, with our sight and our vision. And Jesus says, do you believe I can make you whole? Do you believe that I can make you whole? It is so interesting to me as Christians, we, we come to church every Sunday. Uh, we sing praises unto the Lord. But the first time we fall into trouble, we, 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 we say it in church, I believe. But yet we're still doubting in our minds and in our hearts. We, we get sick and we feel like it's the end because we've lost the faith and the belief that God can heal us. And so the, the, the second thing is you have to believe in your healing. Because without that belief, there's no heal. So then we, we, we travel on down in Matthew 2 to, to, to verse 20, to chapter, to chapter 20, verse 20. Um, and, and we find two more blind men. We find two more blind men. Now, these blind men did a little differently. See, the thing that I want you to recognize is that we get so caught up sometimes in the method that we forget that Jesus can do it however he wants to do it. And so the first two blind men, they, they, they followed him. They got his attention by, by going into his home. And then Jesus asked, you know, how can I help you? They said, 
you know, we want to be healed. And he said, uh, do you believe? Now, the second blind man that we encounter as Jesus and his disciples are leaving Jericho, they're sitting on the side of the road. Many of us are sitting on the side of the road in our own lives. We're watching people go by or we're not watching because we're blind. So we're just acting like we live in a shell and like the world is not moving around us. We, we sit on the side of the road, but the difference here is that they begin, they, they hear commotion, they hear noise and they ask, well, what's going on? Somebody says, Jesus is coming. They begin to shout. We've gotten so bougie. We've gotten so dignified. We've gotten so concerned about what others will say that we don't know how to shout for what we need from the Lord. Now, I could have come in here today and saw the amount of people and, 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 and been like, oh, no, they're not going to give me enough. But the Lord said, if you know how to shout, your healing will come. So don't worry about who else doesn't want to shout because your healing is in your shout. And so the third part of this message is really talking about getting his attention. We've been so conformed to, to not saying anything, letting the music ministry do the work, letting the ministers and, and you know, those other Christians that have been, you know, they do the work. So I can just sit in my seat and I don't have to make a joyful noise. But if we think about healing and we think about the Bible, it, it talks about how there's sound that precedes a move of God. And so if you want a move of God into your life, I need you to shout. I need you to make a sound and I need you to get God's attention. So these blind men sitting on the side of the road, they got God's attention. But isn't it like the devil to bring some naysayers around to, to tell you to be quiet? It's so, it's so sad to me sometimes when I see children in church enjoying themselves, running around, having fun, making noise during service, and they're hushed. Because what that teaches is that you can't enjoy yourself here. You can't make noise here. But the Bible tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He tells us to be like children in our praise and in our worship. And so we have to stop silencing those who want to make a joyful noise. And we have to encourage that. I also want you to understand that there's people that are going to say it doesn't take all of that. Or, or this is even worse. We go outside of this sanctuary to the parking lot. Did you see so-and-so? I wonder, I wonder what they must be going through. They was just shouting. They just might be trying to make a joyful noise to the Lord because they know that their healing is on the other side of that shout. And so we have to be cognizant. And we have to get God's attention. And we have to know that when somebody is shouting, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with them. They just might be trying to get God's attention. Now, the fourth part, the fourth part that we find in, in Matthew is Jesus asks, well, what, what, what do you want from me? These men say, Lord, we want to see. 
the fourth part is you need to be specific with your request. You need to be specific with your, somebody just say specific, specific, specific. Why? Why do I need to be specific? Jesus knows what you need. He knows what you want. But he also tells you to ask, and it shall be answered unto you. And so we need to recognize that he wants us to have specific things that we need. I need a financial breakthrough. Well, what does that mean? Do you need him to pay off your student loans? Do you need him to pay off your house? Do you need him to pay off some debt that you collected? Do you need him to pay something specific? Well, I, I, you know, my, my marriage, Lord, I just need my marriage. Well, what specifically about your marriage do you need fixing? Is it, is it the love? Is it infidelity? You need, to, you need to say how it is. Because God wants you to understand and recognize, hey, I can do all things, but I need you to put some work in. I need you to understand what you need from me and tell me. Because I'm, I'm not just going to give it to you. I need you to ask. So, so here in, in Matthew, we, we, we've had four lessons. To, to follow Jesus, to believe in our healing, to get his attention, and then be specific as to what we need. So then we, we journey on down to, to Mark. We journey on down to Mark. Who, who is this author Mark? This author Mark is, is the secretary to the Apostle Paul, if you didn't know. You have to do some research, get some context. So, so what we're finding here in Mark now is that we're getting a, what is the word that I'm looking for? We're getting a, a recollection of memories from the Apostle Paul. So we're now not dealing with somebody who actually walked with Jesus. We're getting someone who's writing down the memories of someone who did walk with him. But also the focus is different because we talked about Matthew being the tax collector. So he was all about order, numbers. Now we have Mark, who's really just focusing on the miracles of Jesus. He focuses on his actions rather than his words. And so we encounter some more blind folks in Mark. If we travel on down to Mark 8, uh, we, we notice that Jesus and his disciples are going to Bethsaida. They're, they're, they're arriving at Bethsaida, and, and some people bring this blind man to Jesus and beg him for his healing. Point number five of this message is sometimes you have to be brought. And, and the reason that you have to be brought is because sometimes you don't know how to get healing on your own. But we fail and we make a mistake of not bringing our troubles to Jesus. We just hold them to ourselves. So that, that could look like uh, the unruly kid at your house. Uh, and maybe they're not a kid anymore. Maybe they're an adult that's still staying at your house that you just can't get them to do right. Maybe that might be your spouse that you continue to hold on to back here, but you fail to bring them to the Savior. See, we, 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 we hold so much of our own burdens when Jesus is saying, I'm right here so you can lay your burdens down. And so uh, the fifth part of this is sometimes you have to be brought or sometimes you have to be the bringer. And that's it, because there's people that don't know where to get their healing. 
So we find that these people bring him and they beg Jesus for his healing. And so this is what Jesus does. He says, perfect, I got you. But let me take this blind man and I'm going to take him outside the village. So I, I pondered. I said, well, why didn't you just heal him right there? I don't understand why, you know, people brought him. They wanted to see his healing. And the Lord said, I, I know who's for you and who's against you. And so when we dig deeper into the passage, we will notice that these folks, uh, there was already a plot and a plan. This is, they're already plotting and planning to kill Jesus at this point. So these folks, because it was also the Sabbath when they brought him, you're not supposed to do works on the Sabbath. So these folks were bringing this blind man to Jesus to test Jesus first, but then also they were trying to hold this blind man uh, accountable. So we brought you and you got your healing, now you owe us. It's so interesting sometimes when people bring you to a place, they feel like you now owe them something. They just don't bring you, they just don't bring themselves because they don't bring you because they want to or because they have pure intentions. They bring you because they, they want to have something on you. They want you to owe them something. And so Jesus said, not so. <laughs> I'm, thank you for bringing them. But now he has places to be, and I'm taking him out the village. And, and then, whoo, then after he's gotten him out the village. Now, now listen, now listen. After they got him out the village, Jesus proceeds to spit on him. Now, now listen, there's many passages about Jesus spitting. And most of the time, you know, he spits in the mud and, you know, makes a, a mud pie or whatever. Jesus spit in this man's eye. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But spitting from where I'm from, that's a fight. We, we fighting. And could you imagine? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. If you're on Facebook, close your eyes. Can you blind? Imagine hearing someone spit and you feel it touch your face. I said, Lord, that's nasty. That's nasty. And he said, do you want your healing or not? He said, your healing can come in some unprecedented ways. And so that's the sixth point is, your, the seventh point, your healing will come in some unprecedented ways. Well, why did I have to go through that divorce? Well, why did I have to lose my job? Well, why did my finances have to cause me to have a foreclosure? Well, why did my marriage have to go through this rough patch? Jesus said, I, your healing might come in some unprecedented ways. So though I, I might take you through some nasty stuff, know that your healing is on the other side. But, but the, the story gets deeper. The story gets deeper. Because after Jesus spits on him, he places his hand over the spit. And when he removes his hand, he says, well, can you see? The man says, yes, but not clearly. I, I, the, the men look like trees roaming around, walking around. I said, Lord, you didn't just restore his vision at that point? The Lord said, uh, there's some people right now 
that just got that one spit and that one touch, and you've fallen complacent into that mediocre place. A lot of times we, we get so excited about our mediocre places, our beginning of the blessing, that we forget to continue to praise and glorify him for complete healing. And so the Jesus spit and then placed his hand and the man still could not see. The Lord told me to tell you, get out of your mediocre places. Get out of those places that are not fully what you asked for. The man asked to, to see. He didn't say, I want to kind of see or partially. He was very specific because we, we, we need to what? be specific. And, and so I, I want you to think about those mediocre places in your life because I had to go and reflect. And he said, you need to celebrate in those mediocre spaces, but you also need to continue to ask because I want you to have life. And not just life, because life is that mediocre place. He said, I want you to have life more abundantly. If you're not living in abundance, you're not where God wants you to be yet. But you've become so complacent and, and so okay with the mediocre. Ha, I paid, I paid my car off. But you still have a house note, $10,000 in debt. You still have a, a alimony you need to pay. Child, so you have all of these things. But you're, you're, you've gotten okay with just paying off your car. Let, let's go here. Your, your marriage, my husband stopped cheating, but we still don't sleep in a, the same bed. Or, or my wife, you know, stopped nagging, but we don't even communicate anymore. There's one portion of the healing that happened, but you, you've become okay with not getting the other portion. Now, the blind man could have been a liar and said, you know, I can see, and could have been left there. But the fact that he went beyond, God said, perfect. Let me go ahead and touch you again. And so the thing I'm trying to get you to understand is get out of your mediocre places and let God touch you again. It may seem good, but let God touch you again because it only gets better. Then after the man was healed, the Lord tells him, don't return. There are some places in our lives that Lord is, is healing us from that he says, don't return. Don't go back. Don't go. I, 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 your people brought you, but don't go back to them. The club might have brought you here, but don't, don't go back. That relationship might have brought you here, but don't go back. We make the mistake of going back. And, and the Lord gives us a very vivid, a very vivid image of what happens sometimes when we go back, when we look back. Think about the lady who turned into a salt because the Lord said go and, and she decided to look back. And, and the Lord also reveals something here. And he said, uh, uh, why are you returning to something I've delivered you from? Because there's greater uh, where you're going and not where you're coming from. Also, people, when they see your healing, sometimes they don't believe it. And so why go back to people, places, things that saw you in your infirmity 
instead of moving forward so people can see you in your healing. Because they'll hold you down in that infirmity. And I don't know if you understand what blindness meant in these days, but you weren't able to go to the synagogue, which was the church. You were cast out from your family because it was seen as some type of sin on your life. And so being blind was a curse in those times. And so they, they only see you as cursed when you've been called. And so when you go back, they're going to see you as that cursed person and not that called person. And so then if you, you travel a little bit further down in Mark, you go to Mark 10 and we have a named blind man. A named blind man. And I said, Lord, you've, you've given me several stories, but this is the only blind man story that you've given me with a name. Blind Bartimaeus. We hear that name often, blind Bartimaeus. And then in the Bible, it gives us the translation. It says, son of Timaeus. I said, well, let me, Lord, okay, all right. Thank you for the name. What does that have to do with this? Why did you give this one blind man a name? I began to do some research and uh, look into uh, what Timaeus means. Because the, you, Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus, and that's what Bartimaeus means, the son of Timaeus. So when you look up the word Timaeus, it stands for highly valued. Highly valued. What the Lord is saying is that you are highly valued, even in your blindness. What he's saying is that you're the son of highly valued. You're the son of someone who thinks that you're valuable. Uh, we forget sometimes in our infirmity, in our blindness, that we are highly valued. You weren't just created to suffer. You were created to, to live. You were created to worship. You were created to praise. But we forget, due to our struggles, due to our heartaches, due to our blindness, that we are valued. So he said, I, I gave this blind man a name because you're valuable. Say, I'm, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Type it in the chat. I'm, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. I'm valuable. And we don't say that enough. You're valuable. I had to make a conscious effort every day to, to tell myself I'm valuable, I'm worthy, I can do it. We don't, we don't pursue job opportunities, we don't pursue new homes, we don't pursue new opportunities because we don't realize that we are valuable, that we have value even, even in our blindness. And that's an important point because he wasn't healed yet. Oh my God. He was not healed yet, but his name was son of someone highly valued. And we, we have to recognize that even though we might not be where we want to be, even though we might not have our healing just yet, I'm highly valued and I can go there and I can get healed and I can make it. And so the, the Lord is saying, uh, you're, you're valuable, you're valuable, you're valuable. And, and so then we move on to Luke. Now, Luke is an interesting, interesting chapter. 
Luke was a physician. He he was a physician. Okay. And he traveled again with the Apostle Paul. Paul had a lot of people that traveled with him. We need to do a study on Paul soon. But this man traveled with Paul. So once again, uh, we get a, a secondhand account. But this account is much different because Luke is writing to show the human nature of Jesus. So we have Matthew, the tax collector, that's thinking about numbers in order. We have Mark that's thinking about the actions of Jesus. He was giving a memoir, a third-party account of Jesus and his encounters. Now we have Luke that's really trying to make Jesus a human for us so that we can understand the human nature of Jesus and his place in history. The interesting thing in Luke is we only get one story about a blind man. Now, uh, this blind man, this blind beggar was also sitting on the side of the road. And I, again, I want to reiterate that we get so caught up in the method of how Jesus healed people that we forget that he can heal in all types of ways. And so in Luke, he's exposing that I can heal in multiple types of ways. But, but if we look at this story, it, Jesus uh, approaches this man. Well, this man is shouting because he had to get his attention. All these blind men had to shout to get his attention. Again, that's why it's so important for us to shout and make some noise. And the Lord stopped and, and, and heard him and, and ordered people to bring this blind man to him. This blind man had been making all this ruckus as I'm entering the town and bring him to me. And he asked again, what, what do you want from me? He's going to ask you. He's not just going to assume. He's not just going to give you what you need. He wants you to do a little bit of work. What do you need from me? This man was very specific. I want to see. Now, this is what makes this a little bit different. The Lord then says, all right, you can see. Your faith has healed you. He didn't have to spit. He didn't have to touch. He didn't have to make a mud pie. All he said was, you can see. Anybody just want a you can see type of blessing? I don't need you to spit on me, Jesus. I don't need you to touch me. I just need you to help me see. I need you to say it. I need you to say I have that job. I need you to say I have that great marriage. I need you to say I have that new car. I need you to say it. And so uh, the second part of this is, is really the testimony because it says your faith has healed you. The Lord spoke to me and he said, your faith is greater than my touch. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Your faith is greater than my touch. He said, if you have the faith, then I don't even, I don't need to touch you because you've already believed that I can, you can be healed through me. And so because of your faith, you are healed. But we, we don't oftentimes get this type of treatment we have to get the spit treatment or, or the mud pie treatment or the touch treatment because our faith is raggedy. Uh, we don't, we, we have, we, we've had the same mustard seed faith that we had when we first became a Christian. We've had uh, fake, fake faith where we, we come to church and we, we, we say, thank you, Lord. But we go home and worry and doubt and plan. But we don't realize that your faith has healed you. The second thing that we, we see in this is that after 
and this is the this is the first time that we've seen this. After this man is healed, he proceeds to praise God. He proceeds to praise God. We have to praise. We have to praise. Because this is why the Lord didn't have to touch him, because he already knew that he had a heart of praise. So I, I don't need to touch you. I don't need to spit on you because your faith healed you and your praise will solidify my blessing. Your praise will uplift me. And so you have to remember to praise. But then also, it says all who saw it praised too. Don't get so upset with your neighbor. Don't be so jealous that when somebody else is blessed, you can't praise for them. Because I've read in my Bible that what's done for one can be done for multiples. And so if you can't praise for somebody else's blessing, your blessing's not coming because the Lord said, praise for this person so that I can also bless you. Because you're not lifting them up, you're lifting me. And so we have to be cognizant about our praise. This man prays on his own, but then he had folks that saw it also praise. Make sure that you praise for your neighbor. Make sure that you praise for your enemy. Make sure that you praise for somebody that you don't like. Because your blessing could be on the other side of that praise. Now, uh, we, 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 we travel on down to John. Get to our text. John, the beloved disciple. We don't, we don't really get to know much about John. If you were on my Facebook, I posted something yesterday that said, uh, for all my Bible scholars, let's do a deep dive into John, the Apostle John. Uh, what about this John guy? Uh, John is writing so that we know, so that those who read might know who Jesus Christ is and then also be saved. So John's writing for salvation. So in, in, we only get one story of blindness here in John, but, but this is a very extensive story. I want to draw your attention to John 9, and it's 1 through 41. It's all the, the entire chapter of John, of John 9. Uh, we, we, we get a, a blind man born from birth. By a blind man born from birth. And this blind man born from birth, uh, they're walking up to this blind man born from birth. It's, it's Jesus and his disciples. His disciples then begin to ask, well, who sinned? Who sinned? This person is born blind, but you're asking who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? It's sad because we're always looking for Someone to blame when something doesn't go right. I, I think oftentimes when I, when I was reading this, I, I thought about uh, the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and in these moments where bad things happen to good people, we're like, but whose fault is it? We're, 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 we're consumed with the reason why this happened 
instead of the solution and the healing that could come from it. So we get the disciples asking, well, who sinned? Because once again, blindness was seen as a curse. You couldn't go to the synagogue. So this, this person must have sinned because he has a curse on him. Or his parents must have sinned because he has a curse on him. But don't you know you serve a great God? Don't you know you serve a God that has a plan for your life? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that knows exactly what he's doing and comes right on time? And he doesn't allow the skepticism, the questions, the fault of people around you to dictate your healing. So Jesus responds by saying, it's not because of his sins or the sins of his parents, but he is blind from birth as, oh, I'm sorry. He was blind from birth so that the power of God could be seen in him. You might be going through something so that the power of God can be seen through you. And so the, there's two things here. Infirmity, blindness doesn't equal sin. So just because you might be going through a blind spot in your life, that doesn't mean that you sinned. That means that God is trying to find glory in your situation. The second part of that is saying we need to stop trying to find blame and start trying to find solution. We need to stop trying to find blame because when we start blaming others, we give them the power. And so, oh, oh, my marriage is failing. It's, it's her fault. It's his fault. Oh, oh, my kids strung out on drugs. It must be my fault. What did I do? Oh, oh, my finances. My credit score. Help us today, God. We try to find blame, but we don't look for the solution. And so we need to stop trying to find blame and start trying to find solutions. The third thing here that we find is that God's power is already in you. And that's the shout right there because you have the power in your infirmity. God's power is already in you. And he's using your blindness so that that power can be revealed. And it's going to come when it's supposed to come. We don't necessarily know how old this man was. but we do know that he had been suffering and struggling with this blindness, and he also had been cast out from his family as well. And so understand that there's power in you even when people cast you aside. So uh, we dig a little deeper into this story. We dig a little bit deeper into it because it's a good story. You should read it, John 9, 1 through 41. It's a great story. But we dig a little bit deeper into this story, and we go back to the spitting. But this time, this time, Jesus spits in the mud. And I said, well, what's the significance of you spitting in the mud? He said, well, how were you formed? Ha, how were you created? He said, from the dirt of the earth, I, I created you. So what he's saying here is that sometimes you have to be born again. You have to be born again in your blindness. This man was born blind, but I'm going to rebirth you so that now you can see. And even if you have to put spitty mud in my eye, Jesus, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. But, but then the story goes even deeper. 
And I was very confused because now you're in the spit, now you're in the slather the mud on his eye. I could just imagine myself. I'm, I'm cringing now. I'm... Then the Lord says, go. Blind from birth. There's a difference. There's a difference with, you know, having vision and having sight and, and, and kind of knowing your this this person that we find here in John was blind from birth. He's just now uh, met Jesus. He, he, he knows that his healing's coming because he's, he's in the presence of Jesus. But but it, it, Jesus now just added another burden on top of his blindness. I want you to see here this illustration that sometimes he's going to add more burden. Sometimes he's in the mist, but he's he's trying to teach you one more thing, so he's going to put some mud over your blindness. The issue is that we get stuck. We get mad in, in, in this mud on our eyes. We're already blind, so now we're mad because there's mud on our eyes. And then you tell me to go. Where, where am I going, Jesus? Well, what am I doing, God? I don't, I, I, I've never seen before. I, I, I've never felt your presence before, God. I, I, I've never even seen this, this pool that you want me to run to, God. But you're telling me to go? And, and something I also realized is that, you know, even when you're blind, you can... If something else is put on your face, you can feel it, and you can also see it's a little bit darker. Sometimes it has to get darker before the light comes. But we have to be okay with the darkness because we know that we serve a God who is the light. He is the light to save us. He is the light to heal us. He is the light to get us through our infirmity. But where is this place that... Jesus has told him to go. The, the place is called Salem. I didn't pronounce that wrong, but help us today. He says, go to the pool of Salem. I said, well, what, what is the significance of, you, you keep giving me names, Jesus, and I don't understand the names. What is the significance of this name? This pool is called Sent. Jesus told this man to go to the pool of scent. Uh, I'm telling you to go because I I sent you there. Uh, That's a shout right there for somebody because there are some places that Jesus is going to send you that you've been waiting on. There are some places that you need to go that Jesus said, "I, I, I sent you. He said, I sent you. There's this house that you need to drive by because it's sent. There's this job you need to just pop up into because it's sent. There's this relationship that you need to get involved with because it's sent. Now, the blind man could have just not moved. He could have asked questions. I'm blind. And you just put mud on my eye. Where's this pool? But he just got up because he was sent to that place. He just had to go because he was sent. There's a shout because he made it to this pool. I I, I want to reiterate something I said at the beginning is that sometimes you have to blindly follow the Lord because he's leading you to a place that he sent for you specifically, that he sent for you. 
not for your neighbor, not for your kids, not for your grandparents, not for your parents. He's preparing a place that he's sending you to. And even if you can't see, you just got to keep walking. You just got to keep stepping. You just got to keep going to the place where he sent. And so there's a blessing in that marked place. So he says, wash. Sometimes you got to wash off that bad stuff. <laughs> you got to wash off that, that old person. You have to wash off that old, that old sin. You got to wash off that dirty stuff so that you can emerge seeing. But the story doesn't end there. Because this man was blind from birth. And nobody had ever cured anyone that was blind from birth. And so Jesus now comes in, hallelujah, spits in the dirt. He tells us to be born again. Born again. Sends him to a place that was specifically for him and his healing. And he is now able to see. People knew him. People knew him. And there are some people in our lives that know us in our blindness. They see us every day in our blindness. And when we're healed, they start to ask questions. And so this man is now healed from blindness, and, and he goes back to, to where he was at. And they start to ask him questions. Well, first, they didn't even recognize him. They, people, people, who is that? Aren't you glad that sometimes when you're healed, people won't even recognize you? They won't recognize that blind person that they knew begging. They won't recognize that sad person. They won't recognize that person that was empty. They won't recognize that lonely person. They didn't recognize him. The folks that did recognize him were the ones that started to ask questions. Like, well, what happened to you? Don't be afraid to share your testimony. Uh, the, the Lord does works because he wants to get the glory. And also, he wants you to share your testimony so that others know that he can do it. And so the man, the blind man that's no longer blind, goes ahead and recounts the story to them. Then they ask him, where is Jesus now? And they take him to the Pharisees. Now listen, now listen. Sometimes the folks that you think are in your corner really just trying to catch you up. These folks didn't ask you to tell your testimony, and now they're going to persecute you by taking you to the Pharisees. Hmm. So the Pharisees are like, well, weren't you blind? What happened to you? The man says, uh, I was healed. He recounts the story. This creates division. Because sometimes your testimony will create division amongst folks that are trying to rationalize how that happened. How did you get that new car, that Lexus you riding around in, that, that Mercedes, that BMW? How did you, you, was you were just on Section 8 last month. Well, how, how, did you, how did you get that director position 
you, you've only worked here for, for two years. You don't have the degree for that. How, 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 did, you, how did you get this marriage? Because you was the biggest on the block. But now you're happy. It's going to create some division. It's going to create some division. And, and, and what you find here is that now the Pharisees are confused. These are the religious leaders of the town. These are the, the smartest people in the town. They're confused now. Because how does this blind man from birth get healed by somebody who's not? They're, they're, they're mad because, if you read the scripture, they're mad because they're questioning if Jesus is with God or if Jesus is not. Then they're also talking about Moses. They said, we, we follow Moses. You, you might have been healed by this demon named Jesus. That's, that's what the Pharisees are saying. But we follow Moses. So this can't be. So this is the division that's created here. So, so what do they do? What do they do? They say, you know, I'm going to call your parents. Because you're not being honest. You're not telling the truth. I'm going to call your parents. Sometimes confusion wants to include more people into the confusion. Uh, so they're going to bring on. So they're going to coalition build. I'm going to bring your parents into this now. I'm going to bring your ex-girlfriend into this. I'm going to bring your baby mother into this. I'm going to bring your finances into this. I'm going to bring your iniquities into this. I'm going to bring your sin into this. Because confusion loves company. And so you, you can't be this blind man that we saw. So I'm going to bring your parents in to, to validate your identity. Or not, because I don't believe you. Now, this is the issue. The parents come in and confirm the identity, but they say, but listen, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how he was healed. Uh, He'd been cast out the house for a long time. He'd been on the road begging. I don't know how he was healed. Ask him. He's old enough. Sometimes you have to speak for yourself. Ha! You can't have your parents speak for you. You can't have your friends speak for you. You can't have the pastor speak for you. You have to speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. So then, then, then they go back to the man. Then they go back to the man. Because now they're, they're questioning, well, who is this, this man, Jesus? Is this man for God or is this man not? So they ask him, well, who do you think? Who do you think he is? I, I want you to, to, to realize that what's going on here. Because this man says, uh, he healed me, so he must be with God. He healed me. He saved me, so he must be with God. The Pharisees didn't, didn't like that response. And um, they began to, to talk amongst themselves and, and grumble and Start, start saying, you know, uh, this can't be, this is not possible. And the man that was once blind speaks up and says, aren't y'all the religious leaders of the town? Don't you know who creates the miracles? Don't you know who healed me? And if you don't, are you really with God? And he's thrown out of the synagogue. But Jesus heard about this incident. 
And don't you know that sometimes when your testimony creates confusion and gets you thrown out of some places, Jesus hears and he comes to see about you. Anybody just want God to come and see about them? Like he came to see about this once blind man that he had just healed. Jesus came to, to see about, see about him. And he asked the question, do you believe in the son of man? Anybody just want Jesus to, to reveal himself to you in this place? Jesus reveals himself to this man who he just saved. And the testimony here is that you don't have to be saved to receive your healing. But know that Jesus can save you even after he's already healed you. This blind man didn't know who the son of man was. He just knew about a man who came to heal him. A man who spit in the dust, made a mud pie, rubbed it on his eye. Tell him to go to the place I sent and you'll be healed. The man accepts Jesus and begins to worship. You need to accept Jesus in your heart. And once you accept Jesus in your heart, just begin to worship him, to thank him, to praise him. Not because of what he did, but because of who he is. Don't let your blindness deter you from following him. Don't let your blindness deter you from believing in your healing. Don't let your blindness deter you from getting his attention. Don't let your blindness deter you from being specific in your requests. Don't let your blindness weigh you down. Don't let your blindness make you go back to the place that God took you from. Don't let your blindness keep you in mediocrity. Don't let your blindness make you forget that you are valuable. Don't let your blindness make you lose faith. Don't let your blindness make you forget that there is power in you already. Don't let your blindness keep you from being born again. And don't let your blindness keep you from Jesus revealing himself and you coming to him. And that is the word from the Lord. Amen.